we want to talk a little bit today about how to effectively pray. Um, Charlie Glaze, also known as God, is right back here. So now it's good to know what God looks like. Glad we figured that out, been able to show that to you. Um, it's just a great depiction, though, of what we typically do in our prayer lives, um, just kind of rattle on and on and on, when the fact is a very basic, fundamental part of Scripture clearly reveals God wants to talk to us. How many of you believe God actually wants to have a conversation with you? Like all throughout Scripture, it just says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And then we read in John 1 where God reveals his son Jesus as the Word, trying to further initiate conversation with all of us. So that's the focal point as we get started on this today. We want to, we've been finding Jesus in every book of the Bible, and we're continuing on that journey, but we're pausing there. Uh, we're almost finished with the Old Testament, going through 66 books. It's been unique just to see where Jesus is revealed in those. But we want to take a season here where we focus in on when we pray. Not if we pray, but when we pray. Jesus said to the disciples, when you pray, say. And we all focus on our Father which art in heaven. But there's something very important that we all need to understand when Jesus said, when you pray, this means this is a normal part of all of our lives. You are called by God to pray. Like you are called, this is your call from God. How many believe you are called by God, right? There are, there are things specifically that God has called you to accomplish in your life, and a conversation with Him is a vitally important part of that. So I want to just share a few things as we look at this today. How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you feel like um, you've looked at your prayer life at times, and your prayer life could use some help. Can I just see? Like, I mean, I find myself, and in, in like, this is one of my primary roles is to pray. I have specific times during the week where that's like my job, and I'm praying over different people and different things, and, and I find myself so often saying, you know, am I doing enough? Am I praying the way I'm supposed to? And and I just felt the Lord really wanted us to back away from that element and just more so understand what He wants us to understand about the revelation of prayer. So we're going to take these few weeks together, and I want to sort through some things uh, in this regard about hearing the voice of the Lord. The bottom line, and we say this often, but let's just make sure we understand it clearly, Jesus did not die so we could merely go to church. Jesus didn't die on a cross so we could merely gather in attendance. Jesus died so that we could become the church, inspired by God, empowered by His Holy Spirit, having a conversation with God. I know it might sound odd, you know, in, in some circles of conversation, and some people struggle when I make the statement, but we are not trying to make people more religious. We don't want you to be more religious. We want you to be more relational with your God and with others. Everything boils down to these two things, love God, love others. And so we want to pursue that as we sort through and walk through this season of time together. Uh, ultimately, if you want to hear God, if you'll take the notebooks and pass them down, we've got some note cards in there for you. And I just want to make a few statements to you to lay a little bit of groundwork. But if you want to hear God more clearly, then learn to read, God, read God's Word more consistently. How many of you know he's written incredible revelation and wisdom to us in these letters? And if we'll be faithful to read his Word, uh, then 
it really helps us get in alignment with hearing the wisdom of God. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. So it helps us in that regard. Now, at any time while I'm speaking today, and you say, I'm just going to pray for Pastor Lawrence's voice so that he'll be strong in his voice, then you feel free to do that. I've had a rough week. I'm on the mend. I'm doing well, but I gave it my best in the first service, and uh, so I'm struggling just a little bit more here, but we're going to make it. In Jesus' name, amen. We can do this, all right? God wants to have a conversation with us, and so we want to stir ourselves to take hold of that. So here's the thing about reading the Word that I just want to acknowledge and recognize. Um, Last year, I started this idea with our church family, Turn the Page. Every once in a while, we put the the commercial up to remind everybody, get an old-fashioned Bible, start in the book of Genesis, start writing the date at the top of the page, even if your mind doesn't understand, your heart's taking in revelation from God. You just keep turning the page. And there are three kinds of people we figured out as church leaders and as a church team working with pastors. There are early adopters. Some of you have heard that in some of the charts maybe you've looked at in leadership and business. Those early adopters we actually call innovators, right? They like I say let's do turn the page and these early adopters, these innovators, they jump on it and immediately they're ready to go. And then we have the next phase of people and they take a while. It has to stew in them a while before they get started. So they're not innovators, they're incubators, right? And so they incubate it for a bit and then let it hatch open and then they get started. But then there's like a third group of people and I think they all attend the first service. They're not going to be in in here because the third, like they're the ones who stop it all up. Like you're trying to get God, you know, to release something and they just keep stopping it all up. They're not They're not innovators, they're not incubators, they're constipators. And so we don't want anybody to be constipators. We want you to really move forward in everything that God uh, wants to accomplish in your life. So this last week I saw the first person, maybe others have done it, but this is the first person that that I have seen um, post something or, or come forward and say they've finished it. This idea of turn the page was born out of my pursuit for my daughters when they were turning into their teens. I wanted them to know their own God and read their own Bible. And like they, I I told them the idea and they read all the way through the Bible all on their own. I never even asked them again about it. It's so easy, so simple. And so we started all that and I saw this picture posted this last week. Uh, We'll pop that up from the Bible. And Scott Burcham on July 28th, finished the last page of the book of Revelation, having gone through Genesis to Revelation. So, Scott, we just want to say, God bless you. Would you just stand, sir? We want to thank you for your encouragement. Turn in the page. God bless you. And if you are an incubator and it's about, you know, to hatch, so please just do that and uh, get started on turning the page. It'll really, really help you just to stay in the Word. If you want to hear God more clearly, then read God's Word more consistently. It's an important part. Now, we're going to do this experiment together as a church family. And uh, I'll I'll tell you what this experiment is. I was actually going to start this season, this focus, next week. But as I was praying about it, I felt like the Holy Spirit was talking to me about this, that we were to start this week. But the problem is, we have a guest coming in next week. And so, to figure out how this could work... Um, I just began to ask the Lord, and, and I felt like what the Lord was saying to me, the guy who's coming, his name is Steve Upple. And so we're starting this focus of prayer, and we're going to do an experiment together. Today I'm going to talk to you about hearing God together. We're going to enter in and really hear the Lord together on some things. I think God's just going to have a conversation with us. Can I get a witness? 
Amen. Well, how many of you want to hear the voice of the Lord on your own? So I believe God wants to give us ears to hear. And somehow, next week, when Steve comes, I'm not even going to tell him that I said this or that we're doing this. We're just going to see if God uses him to contribute right in alignment with this idea of mobilizing us to be men and women of prayer. And so we'll find out if Steve is really led by the Spirit or he's just completely in the flesh. So uh, show up next Sunday and we'll find out. Uh, And then I'll tell him afterward. His name is Steve Upple. Steve and Esther are actually incredibly Spirit-led. Tracy and I had the chance to meet them when I was ministering in England last year. And I spoke at his church on a Sunday morning. I spoke at four of his six Sunday services. Two of them are not English. Um, So I spoke in the English-speaking services. But I'm just saying that to tell you this guy is uh, is being used mightily by God. So all this I set into motion and thought I'll be excited to tell you, and then we'll test and see, right? We'll see if he's going to handle it next week. And then I found something interesting yesterday. Uh, Some of you will know the name Lou Engel. You ever heard of him? Lou Engel is a Uh, what would be known as a modern-day apostle of prayer. This guy uh, wanted to rally prayer in California a few months ago, and in order to rent the stadium, he felt like the Lord told him to sell his house. And so he sold his home and rented the stadium, and they hosted just this gathering of all these people to pray. He's very well known in the circles of prayer and intercession. And uh, I'm saying all that just to say, I noticed yesterday online, Steve Upple is speaking at a major conference in England. Right before he comes here, he'll get on a plane probably tomorrow to fly here. And he's been speaking at a major conference where Lou Engel is speaking in that same conference. So I I just, I mean, do you, you understand? Like, there's something of impartation that happens in our lives. Do you believe that? Like Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gifts that are in you by the laying out of my hands. How'd the gifts get in? There was impartation that took place. So I believe God has set us up where I was going to wait a week, two weeks. Uh, I believe the Lord set this up where I would initiate the idea of our moving into a greater place of prayer. God would then send a man who's actually from India that pastors a church in England to go speak at a conference with Lou Engel to carry the fire of prayer that a man carries on an international level all the way back here to Oklahoma City in this church next Sunday. I'm believing for an incredible impartation that you and I would be mighty men and women of prayer and intercession and hearing the voice of the Lord. Can I get a witness in this house? God's at work. So I just, I saw how it was all starting to fit together. I think his message will probably be very aligning to what, uh, where we're going with all of this. We'll see. And again, I won't tell him until next week, but Steve and Esther are just a great couple. They're very led by the spirit. How many of you would like to have that spoken of your life? Right? Like I want people to say, Lawrence and Tracy are really, they're, they're a couple of the spirit. Like they really know God. And, and I say that, and many people say that of Stephen Esther. He's an apostle to a lot of pastors. They, are, they and their four children will be here. And, and I just want you to know, uh, we're inviting him to do a leadership session on Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And that's going to be an open session, and I invite all of you to come if you'd like to do that. We just need you to contact the office so that the office is aware 
uh, and we're meeting in the training room. Unless we have too many people, then we'll move into a bigger facility. We've got other pastors and their staffs and so on coming. But Thursday morning, 8 a.m., Steve will be here. And then Friday evening, Esther, his wife, will actually be speaking at our women's conference. So ladies, I just want to commission you. I mean, like, if you want to be led by the Spirit, you got to get around people of the Spirit. And when God raises up people, like to mobilize people to be people of the Spirit, and then we have the opportunity to connect, how many of you think it might be important that we attach ourselves to that wagon and the opportunity that we have? So I want to commission you ladies, Friday night come, and believe for impartation. Next Sunday, listen, show up on Sunday morning, show up early, show up eager, sit closer to the front, let's crowd in as an expression. We are hungry for more of what God wants to bring through uh, ministries that he gives us the opportunity to host and to have in this place. And then the community group leaders after service, we're going to do a special luncheon and Steve will actually speak in that as well. How many of you know we're going to wear him out? We're going to draw, we're going to drain every, or sap every bit of energy out of him while he's here. Can I get a witness? Amen. We're just going to pull it out of it. But what we don't want to do is just be those that come to get from him. And you know, we don't do like collection plates and pass buckets and we've got giving stations. And I just want to invite you to begin to think about this week as we come next Sunday. Let's really be a blessing to this, to this ministry and the, his family that we show up prepared not only to receive but also to give and to bless. So we want to be led by God. We want to be led by the Spirit. Are we willing to hear what he wants to say? So a key in our being led by the Spirit of God is to get alone with God. Do you make time to be alone with God? Like this is just so basic. Do you wake up and your alarm goes off and you immediately are on the run, dashing through your day, dashing through your afternoon, dashing through your evening, falling into bed because you're exhausted because you've been working and going everywhere all day long just to wake up the next morning and your alarm goes off and it goes off just in time for you to get up to get wherever you're to go. How many you know we dash here, we dash there? And at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, that's all we have left, two dates and a dash. Come on, I believe we need to learn how to make that dash count. And I want to talk to you about that. You've got to hear the voice of God. If you're really going to make a meaningful impact, if you're really going to understand what life is all about, you can't decide the purpose of God for your life. Like people say, I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to go discover, I'm going to figure out my, what I'm, my purpose. You can't decide that. You didn't make yourself, so you can't tell yourself why it was that you were made. You've got to ask God why he made you. I don't know if you understand, but there's something God wanted done that makes you necessary. How many of you have escaped a near-death situation before? Just raise your hand. I want you to think about it. God spared your life on purpose because he's not finished with you yet. There can be some stuff come your way. But if God doesn't say it's over, his purposes have not yet prevailed, then it ain't over. And that's why you're here, and that's why you're breathing, and that's why we're believing for God to speak with clarity in our hearts as we walk out his plan, his purpose, and his will. In Jesus' name. So, like... It's really great we, amen, yes, clap our hands. And I want to just tell you a secret about ministry, particularly as we prepare uh, for next week, because I believe Steve carries something of an, uh, a world-anointing magnitude for us. What somebody carries when they step into this pulpit is important. But I'm going to tell you a secret. It's actually secondary to how hungry you are for God to speak.
How many know God can even use a donkey to speak? Some of you say, I see it every Sunday when I show up. Like, all, all that you have to do is be hungry and God is going to fill you up. So like amazing gift can come through our pulpit, but if you're not hungry, listen, you're going to miss something. And so I want to challenge you. God, give it to you this way. God didn't love you back. God loved you first. And then your response to his loving you first determined his reach into your life. We all together on that. Like Jesus came, he lived, he died. He died so that you could have life. And you respond. If you're a Christian, if you're in here today and you've given your life to Christ, and I hope you are, if you're not, we'll give you an opportunity to make that decision today because it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Not that we have all that figured out, but we just know we were born for more than this life. Come on, have you ever been in traffic and you, you, people blocking you and you just cannot stand it? You got to move over in the next lane to speed up. Can I get a witness in here? You, you're just driving and you're just like, I can't stand you, you know what? I'm born for more than this. I mean, I got to go places. And so every time I get stuck in traffic, I start thinking, I'm born for more than this. You were born for more than this life. There's something more than just these years that you were born for. And so what we have to do is learn to place a demand because we're born for more. And I want everything God wants to release and speak and reveal. So my response determines his reach So when I say God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine, my question is, is he reaching into your impossible situation when I say that? And your response determines his reach. That's why it's important when somebody stands up here and begins to boldly declare God's word that you not just sit back and say, I'll see if I'm impressed today, but you engage with hunger and passion and let my response declare his power is going to get to me today because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. My response will determine God's reach. Hey. I'll drink to that. (laughs) So what we're going to do in this season of time is we're going to embrace a rhythm together. How many of you just want to encounter God? It's great to encounter God. We just had our youth at youth camp. Man, they encountered God. I took my, my wife down and we went for the last night event and wow, we encountered God. It was an amazing encounter. How many of you have ever been to youth camp before and you really encounter God and then you faded away? Right? Like you come back and you're like, wow, that was such an encounter. But you have to understand something. And this is where I'm going with prayer and you need to understand this. Rhythm is more powerful than encounter. Think about it. If I can gain something from my encounter with God and it produces a rhythm that perpetuates just a fraction of that encounter for the rest of my life, then that rhythm has the power to change my life for the rest of my life, completely addressing and adjusting my entire legacy. Anybody in here believing God to expand your life and enlarge your legacy today? Rhythm is more powerful than encounter, but encounter has the power to change your rhythm. 
So we don't want to negate encounter. We need to have encounter. But do you understand when you pray, if you're counting on a prayerful encounter, you're probably missing the point. When you read your Bible, I mean, this is like having a meal. That's what you're doing. You're sitting at the table of the Lord and the Word. And if you read your Bible and you don't understand what it's like to have meals, like anybody remember like what you ate last Thursday? The answer, no. But if you were on a cruise ship and they were peeling your grapes and giving you steak and lobster, how many of you would remember that? right? And it's like, that's what we want. We want this incredible, fascinating, overwhelming, spectacular meal when we sit down in the Word. But that's more of an encounter, and those things happen, but you need to perpetuate a rhythm because you're stable and faithful and diligent, and God is establishing something of legacy in your life. I believe. Yeah, let's give Him praise today. Come on, we just declare stronger rhythms in the house, stronger rhythms in our lives. I believe today God has anointed me as your pastor to provoke you to new places in your faith and in your relationship with Christ. So our strategy for this season, it's going to be five things. And I want to ask you to begin to practice these five things. You'll see them on your card. They'll pop up on the screen. First and foremost, pray every day asking the Holy Spirit for awareness to his promptings. He is prompting you. I'll prove that to you in just a moment. Okay, number two, select your favorite worship song. Whatever that song is, uh, pick your song. And every morning when you wake up, let that be your alarm on your phone, whatever. But every morning when you wake up, I've been doing this this past week. It's great. I have my song. And every morning when I wake up, first thing I do is play that song. And while that song's playing, number three, then I have a prayer list in my hand. And I'm praying over many of you by name as a part of my prayer list. I'm praying verses, just rehearsing God's word. I have prayer requests, specific things. As that song is playing, I'm praying my list. And that's really important. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. And then number four, just obey the promptings of the Lord throughout the day. You're going to all of a sudden start being awakened to the fact that God's been having a conversation. So practice those promptings. And then fifthly, I want to just challenge all of you as Christians consider fasting and praying weekly. Like our staff, our elders, we've selected Thursday as a day where we're fasting at least one meal or, you know, whatever it may be, however the Lord moves on your heart to do so. But just take some time to fast and pray, and just it creates a greater awareness of God in your life. Like, God's not going to be more aware of you because you fast and pray. You just need to understand that. You're going to be more aware of God. Like, he's fully aware of you. He knows what you're thinking. He, he, listen, right now, I'm having a conversation with you, right? I'm trying to keep your attention, and I kind of know how I've been talking to people for a while, and I'm going to do everything I can to keep your attention. I'm having a conversation with you. God's having a conversation with you. As I'm speaking to you, the anointing is here to teach you. The Bible says the anointing teaches us. God's having a conversation with you. I'm talking to you. God's talking to you, and you are talking to you. And you've got to get yourself in alignment with what God wants to say, maybe being released by what I'm sharing with you. But suddenly these five things become anchoring in you. And you say, in this season, I'm going to grow in my relationship with Christ. How many believe God wants you to hear the voice of the Lord? Everybody say it with me. I hear the voice of God. Like it's almost weird to say that. Like you're afraid someone's going to come take you to the asylum and lock you up. You hear voices? 
You just need to understand, like this is normal. Don't call something radical if it's merely biblical, okay? And I want to show you Old Testament and New Testament, God talks to his people. Isaiah 42, 9, see the former things have taken place, new things I declare. Before they spring into being, what? I announce them to you. God says, I talk about stuff before I do it because I want you to know what I'm going to do before I get it done. Listen, guys, I'm going to show you in the New Testament as well, but you just need it all throughout Scripture. This is a basic fundamental of theology that is greatly overlooked in the church in the world we live in today. We don't want to just get you to attend church. If all we do is get people to merely attend church, we're contributing to the greater problem of disillusionment with church and society. We want you to know your God and be strong and do great exploits. That's what we want. We want to make disciples in this house. There are tricky things and clever things we can do to attract more people into the place, to increase the budget, and to have more money, and you know, whatever those things may be. But I want you to know, we are absolutely deeply devoted, deeply convicted. Our objective in this place is to make disciples, and not everybody wants to show up to church that wants to make disciples. But that's what we're going to do because that's what God's called us to do, and I, for one, am not going to stand before God one day and hear him say, you missed it. I know this is something that is very important to the heart of God Almighty, and we need to press in on this and hear the Lord together. New things, before they happen, I I announce them. Listen, you and I should not, and please hear this, in the political climate in which we live. How many of you are just so excited about the presidential election this year? I mean, most people are just shaking their head. Okay, but listen, no matter what the political climate is of this nation, we as Christians, we are thermostats, not thermometers. Let me explain. A thermometer simply sits on the wall and judges the climate. Is it good? Is it bad? Christians are settling for being a thermometer that steps back and just judges the climate. Well, there goes the whole nation right? We're judging the climate. You're not a thermostat. Or you're not a thermometer. You're a thermostat. You set the tone. I don't even understand, but like the government and the world and the nations of the world, they're in the hands of God. And if we will intercede, God will intervene. If we will intercede, God will intervene. If we will intercede, God will intervene when we pray. So we must pray, and we must pray according to God's agenda and his will. Isaiah 42, 9, then New Testament, John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit will tell you what is yet to come. Very important, write it in your blank, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is one of the most important relationships you can work at in your life. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is one of the most important relationships you can work at in your whole life. Now, Romans 8, 14 tells us that all who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you're a son or daughter of God, you're part of this plan, okay? How many of you in here are sons or daughters of God? Raise your hand. How many of you are being led by the Spirit? According to this verse, raise your hand. 
Okay, you should raise your hand on both. Not everybody did because we know we've been taught, I pray to prayer, I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, but we've not been taught we're being led by the Spirit of God. Now, just because you're being led doesn't mean you're following well. How many of you have ever tried to lead somebody and they refuse, okay? I watched a two-year-old once and it didn't go so well. So that's kind of how we are with God sometimes. Your Spirit of God is leading sons and daughters of God, but we have to learn to pay attention to His leadership so that we can fulfill. So God's constantly trying to speak to us, and I believe we need to wake up. I believe you and I should carry words of life. I believe you and I should carry words that produce transformation in our world in profound and wonderful ways. Mark and Floyd Chestnut, friends of ours for many years. Mark had a massive heart attack, stroke, whatever was all going on, and uh, they got him to the hospital just in time for him to be dead. And they were able to sustain him to life, but he was completely comatose. And days went by, and then weeks went by. And we were all going up to the hospital praying with Floyd, and, and there's Mark on life support. And she's, she's having to come to that, that place of making a decision. Uh, is there brain activity, and are we going to have to pull the plug? What am I going to do? Her older brother, Glenn, one day felt like the Lord simply gave him a, an assignment. And I just want to say this assignment's very simple. He walked into the hospital room where Mark had been in a coma all this time, put his hand on Mark's foot, and he said, Mark, it's time to wake up. I know total coincidence at that moment in time, after weeks of a coma, when Glenn did what God told him to do, and he put his hand on his foot and said, Mark, it's time to wake up, Mark's eyes opened. Mark's still alive today. Come on. (laughs) Here's the thing you need to understand. Not all situations work out that way because sometimes we're just praying in some hope that's not even really true hope. Sometimes we're hoping God does something. Would you take the time to have a conversation with God about the situation before you go bustling in there? Like if you'll say what God says about the situation, the situation then is subject to change because God's word is more powerful than any circumstances going on in your life. But you need to hear what God has to say. We had a young couple, one of many, that could not have children in our church. When I became the pastor, Tracy and I had been struggling to have children for years, and thank God we have two girls now. But uh, this other young couple, here they were, Ben and Holly, and, and, and I kept praying for them. Every time we have service together, together I'd pray for them <coughs> and, and say, you know, Lord, just give them children. It's the desire of their heart. The prayer is they asking God. And, and, uh, and, and I pulled them aside once, and I said, I'm sorry. I keep on pointing you out when we have church. But I just, I keep feeling the Lord direct me to pray. And Holly said, no, Pastor, if that's what you feel, speak it, pray. We're believing. We're desperate. And so we continued to pray, and I felt the Lord tell me a word. I've never prophesied this over anybody before. But I prophesied, and I said, I believe God's not only going to let you have children, but I believe you're going to have twins. And that's a pretty risky word. How many of you know that's a risky word? Because, like, either you're going to have twins when you come back to church over the next few years, or you're not. (laughs) 
and they stoned false prophets in the Old Testament. And so, you know, I, I was just like, uh, I, okay, I felt this is what the Lord said. And then Dale Gentry comes, my spiritual mentor and father. He shows up, and he begins to pray over them in a service, and he says, I believe you're not only going to have a child, but I see you having three children. And I'm thinking, this is like poker, man. I see your twins, and I bump it up another. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, I was just like, well, maybe I missed it. You know, maybe I only saw two in the sack, and if I'd have, you know, come back, there'd be triplets. I don't know. And so, anyway, they had their first child named Skylar, and then they had twins. And those, they actually live in Idaho now. Ohio. It's one of those Ohio states. Uh, and so, but the kids were actually, I didn't know they were going to be here. They were here in service in our 930 sitting right over here. So I got to introduce Skylar, Blake, and Kinley and tell their story. And I just want to say God is able to turn your situation around no matter what your circumstance may be. Come on, what does God have to say about what it is you're walking through? My, we, you know, we have chapel during school year in our Christian school, and, and, uh, and I'm not always in the chapel services, obviously. And, and one day I came over, and as I walked into chapel, I saw my youngest daughter, who's 14. Uh, she was standing up in the front, and they were worshiping in chapel. And so I started kind of walking over, and I just wanted to get behind her and just be there. And as I walked up behind her, she later told me she had just closed her eyes because she was distracted. And she felt like God spoke to her because she so wants to hear the voice of God. This is like ongoing dialogue at our house. What's God been speaking to you? I mean, ask your kids. Like, get them to pray and pay attention. (laughs) It's just a really simple question. And so we've done that always. And so our girls both hunger for that. And so Lexi said, you know, I just closed my eyes. She said, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, just focus on me. Lift your hands and worship and you'll hear the voice of the Father. And so she, she began to worship, and she was listening, wanting to hear the voice of the Father, not realizing at the exact moment I was walking up behind her and put my hands on her shoulders and began to worship and sing the song, and she heard the voice of her Father. Can I just tell you, I know coincidence. I know if you're atheist, you know, whatever. But yeah, well, just so happens. I mean, it just so happens the Red Sea parted when Moses and all the people went through, Right? And it just so happened it went back after they all got out and everybody else died. I mean, just coincidence. With God, coincidences are prevalent. And here's another of those moments where my daughter, come on, she suddenly realized God has something to say. I, I, I mean, I'm going to do the best I can preaching to you, but if I can get you to fall in love with the Savior rather than to fall in love with the speaker, then you will do better off in your everyday life walking with your God. Write it down. Whenever the Lord speaks and he shows himself strong, write it down. And I was looking through one of my 20-page documents of when God had spoken. And I went back to 1996, I think it was, uh, 20 years ago. And I had been invited to speak at a college retreat in an overnight deal in a hotel. And there were 100 students, and they all came from Oklahoma State University, and many of you know They really need Jesus there. I I mean, I'm all for them. I'm always your grad. So so I'm in the hotel, and we start at 7 o'clock. And I'm just telling you, God showed up in such a conversational way, it blew our minds. And I prayed and prophesied over people individually until 2 o'clock in the morning. And the last guy that I prayed for, 
As I would pray, God would like reveal something, and so the other people would be like, oh, let's go, go hear what, you know, what we say. And I want to take some time with that today. I want to begin to speak some things over some of you today. I believe God wants to have a conversation. Are you interested? Are you hungry? Are you willing to respond to him to let his reach get deep in your life? And I began to pray over this last man, 2 o'clock in the morning, I pray over this young man. And, and as I prayed over him, I, I said, you are a strong finisher. I was just reading in my journal. You're a strong finisher. When you run a 100-yard dash, you run every inch of all 100 yards as you cross the finish line. When you broad jump, you stretch for every inch of the jump before you hit the sand. I mean, I was using analogy. I had no idea. He was actually from Africa, an Olympian athlete who had come to the United States to train and prepare for the Olympics. Are you going to guess what the two events were he was training for, the 100-yard dash and the broad jump? Now, I just want to say, like, God just wants to have a chat with you. Oh, God just wants to have a conversation. I believe that this, I am deeply convicted about this, that the church simply doesn't get it. But we have to get this. You're not always going to get it right. I mean, you know, sometimes you're going to think you heard the Lord and you didn't get it right. Don't, don't be shamed. It happens to me. Okay? It happens to all of us. Like a perfect record is not what we're after here. We just want to be more like Christ and grow more in Him. Anytime we say, well, I think the Lord spoke something to you. I had one guy, he came to me. He said, man, I've been married this old lady for a long time. <laughs> Things are just not working out. And I met this other girl. She really knows how to sing. And, you know, I know how to sing. And I just felt like the Lord put us together so our ministry, I'm going to divorce my wife and go marry this girl so our ministry, you know, can really take off and honor the Lord. And I said, I don't think you're hearing God. That doesn't line up with Scripture. I think this is important. We need to hear the Lord, and we need to know His Word, and we need to be in community and connection and relationship. You know the Bible actually calls the church a prophetic company? Isn't that amazing? On September the 11th, we're going to have something called Discovering Destiny, and it's for you to find out more about who we are as a church family. If you're not a member of our church family, then I want to ask you to take the merge card today and sign it for that, drop it in a box, or give it to someone in the lobby, but just write on there you want to attend that luncheon, and we'll walk you through what it is to really be a part as a part of a family that's functioning and serving the Lord. I want to give you a final verse today, Matthew 4.4. It says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. How many of you know it takes more than bread to stay alive? In other words, like, I go to work to make money to buy the bread so I have the strength to go to work so I make the money to buy the bread, to have the strength to go to work, to make the money to buy the food, to go have the strength to go to work, to make the money to make. You understand? It's just like, really? It takes more than that. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God. 